Somebody give Max Verstappen a round of applause. Somebody give Lewis Hamilton a bow. And somebody give Lando Norris a hug. This was just a two-hour trail of anticipation, drama, thrill, tragedy and glory of almost Shakespearean proportions. And this is just a bundle of every possible human emotion wrapped up into through our masterpiece. And we've got the job of reviewing just this right here today on the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pits to Podium. And so, rather dauntingly, here's the list of contents. Lando Norris was this one of the best endings to an F1 race ever. And why did he do what he did? The outrageous Lewis Hamilton century put into context. More on Max Verstappen and actually how he just was very sneaky and has got himself right back in the championship fight. Of course, after that, we get to the stats review by Sundaram and he's got some really strong stats in this one. We discuss the other strong finishers from the Russian GP and answer all of your questions that you've sent in on social media. So thank you so much for sending them in. Let's get into it. This is going to be a big one. This is going to be a fun one. So join us as we review the 2021 Russian GP, which, which as the name suggests, might not be as boring as you think it was. Let's go. Ah, Kunal, scintillating, fascinating, amazing, jaw-dropping, tragic, uh, gut-wrenching. I- I'm running out of superlatives to describe Formula 1 right now. H- can you help me out with them? Yes, I think you actually used a superlative which I've heard nobody use before, Shakespearean. And I think that literally sums up the Russian Grand Prix. And Trust me, I remember when we did our preview episode, we were just like, okay, guys, maybe our episode on this podcast <laughs> and, and our video channel is more going to be more exciting than, than the race itself. But oh my God, you know, Formula One has been delivering blockbuster races one after the other. And, you know, for, 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 the, for the last three, four races, the narrative has just shifted from being only Max versus Lewis. It's it's McLaren in the mix. It's George Russell. It's Carlos Sainz and Ferrari and Fernando Alonso. And it's it's epic. And, you know, before we move to Norris and Hamilton and Verstappen and everyone else, my, my simple view is the Russian Grand Prix was actually two races in one, right? Uh, and most of us are only going to remember the last five you know, laps of the Grand Prix because clearly it was extremely exciting. But even, you know, the 48 odd laps, if my math is correct, and if I remember the total number of laps we actually had of racing, uh, those were pretty fascinating as well. There were, you know, stories, there were narratives that were battles opening up all, all you know, up and down through the corner. And wow, I, I don't know, where do you want to start, Samuel? <laughs> I don't even know, Kunal. It's amazing that it takes just one simple thing to change the entire race. And it's not like the first half was boring, as you rightly mentioned. We could have gotten an amazing Lewis versus Lando fight on the track for the lead. We didn't, but more on that in a second. But the rain, Kunal, just a simple element that can change everything up. And the fact that it came in from one part of the circuit, didn't hit the other one. This is... Christopher Nolan, you've met your match. You really have. I, I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting. And, you know, I remember uh, it was Rubens Barrichello. Was it sometime in the 2000s? He started 18th. It was Hockenheim. Half track was dry. Half track was wet. And he actually came on to win the race. Now, you guys already know my history is not as good as Sawmill's, right? 
so he's probably just going to correct me out here but i just love these this is this is classic formula 1 for me certain parts of the circuits are dry certain parts are wet and uh, you know drivers are constantly wondering is it the right time to switch some of them are risking what lando norris did some of them are risking what you know bottas and perez and the like said who are like you know quickly want onto the on onto the inters so yes the rain really really added to uh, a different level of fun thankfully it just didn't give the win away to a particular driver or any driver it 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 just added so many elements to the mix you know max verstappen starting 20th finishing second who would have thought right and all along we think it's been lewis who's been lucky in 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 the drivers championship and voila suddenly max's luck also started to shine and i think i think okay let's do this song mm-hmm. let's stop beating around the bush and let's get to lando norris apart from giving him a hug is there is there any suggestion any advice you'd like to give him given that we are all armchair critics and you know keyboard <laughs> warriors and all of us is everyone's out on twitter saying he should have put it he was entitled how could he say no to the team what's your view mm. you've commented on several races like hundreds of them yeah. what is your view to put it simply it comes down to what you're thinking in that moment and in one way you'd be very proud of his self belief to say that i can do this but at the same time you also have to wonder his self belief was sort of partly uh, hidden away by the fact that he didn't know what conditions were coming on right who, who would have forecasted that so quickly we would have so much rain in all the other parts of the circuit as well and had it stayed as it were in the first couple of laps when lando decided to stay out then it would have perhaps potentially been a lando norris win because things were looking okay but the fact that it changed so quickly it was a point where mclaren had committed to staying out and then things turned on them even hamilton was reluctant he said that yep uh, i don't think this is the right decision but he still went ahead with it mclaren gave lando the chance or it's it's a sign of trust from the dream from the team i'm sorry and you love to see that but i guess in this case it's just a matter of judgement and i wouldn't even call it bad judgement or something like that it's just such a heat of the moment decision and it's actually leading into a very interesting question we've got from siddharth he says how difficult is it to make a call for inters when the conditions are changing siddharth shah of course one of our very avid listeners and viewers that's the point kanal you, you can't tell when it's such a critical moment and there's a seven time world champion behind you you obviously back your instincts and your instincts say you can do it but clearly the conditions turned away from him very quickly samuel you hit the hit the nail right on the head right and i would say one of the first things lando's done is he's owned up to his mistake so he admits he made a mistake and hey guys we all make a mistake how many of us own up to it right mm. of course lando then said that the team did not tell him that more rain was coming we don't know the truth to that probably the team actually did not tell him that and that's why lando did what he did and just how difficult is it for lando norris or any driver to make a make such a decision hey when do i switch to the slicks or when do i switch to the inters sorry and uh, in the case of lando for all the other 19 drivers it's a little easier but not for lando he had mm. track position he had the lead he had lewis chasing him down for victory he was staring at his you know first win after scoring his first pole position so 
it's that factor was a little more difficult, which none of the other 19 drivers faced, mind you, right? And then it it came down to the fact that his gut said, I can drive on slicks in this weather. And guys, remember, Formula One is what it is today because of gut, because of yeah. what Samuel said, instinct. It is their gut that makes them drive those cars so quick. It is their instinct. It's not an engineer necessarily. It's what you feel on your lower back, just about your bum, right? That's what makes <laughs> you drive faster. It's it's that gut that you know tells him, I can drive in these conditions. If these conditions stay as it is, I will drive. I will, if it's difficult for me, it's difficult for Lewis. We'll figure a way out. And let's not let's not hold Lando Norris, you know, just because he trusted his gut. Yeah. Literally. And let's applaud the fact that he trusted his gut. And, you know, of course it didn't work out, but hey, so many times in our lives, it doesn't work out as well. And now I'm going to sound philosophical, right? <laughs> but when it doesn't work out for us, and I don't know all the celebrities who tune into our show, but when it doesn't you know, work out for us normal listeners and speakers, right? Our mistakes are not broadcast on live TV across the globe for millions of people to dissect and give comments on. Yes, inexperience. You know, Daniel Ricciardo actually turned around and said, for me, no way I could have driven. So I made the the decision to go on to the inters. Again, it was easier for Daniel, you know, given where he was. So he will learn from this mistake exuberance, the excitement, I'm in the lead, I don't want to let go of it, all of those things. But wasn't that literally the joy to watch? Because, and I know I'm going on and on, I know I need to give Samuel some airtime as well. But imagine the other scenario, imagine if Lando would have pitted and Lewis would have stayed out, Mm. right? Then suddenly we would have been like, great, you know, Lewis is seven time world champion experience, 100 race wins of experience made him stay out. So, you know, the tables can turn either way. And just one last point, right? When could have Lando or should have Lando pitted? I think his best bet was pitting just when Lewis Hamilton pitted, right? That's that's conventional racing logic. Right? You just pits the next slap and you're like, you're probably least impacted by then because Lewis is going to figure his tires out and so on and so forth. But I must say that conditions literally got so worse within one lap. And when you look at the tire history of all the drivers, there are drivers who pitted two laps later, like Fernando Alonso, and then he suddenly lost out on a lot of positions. So mm-hmm. it was literally that moment. And Fernando said it was more on luck than on talent when it came to making uh, the last five laps work in your favor. End of point. Thank you, Samuel. <laughs> that was such a good point. Really nailed on the head, in my opinion. And and I think that genuinely somewhat answers the question that we had from I know F1, who asked that Norris lost because he lacked experience, but DR in a similar situation and he would know how to bring it home. Is there something Norris needs to learn in order to be a race winner? I think that would be a bit harsh, considering how the circumstances were. And also answering Lenia's question. And it's such a pleasure to see Lenia sending in her questions all the time. She's such an avid listener. Lenia, thank you for the support. And she's asking, why did Lando not listen? Just a case of that, just a case of the gut. And coming to that point, Gunal, Lewis Hamilton also said that he thought that staying out was the right decision. The instinct was the same between a seven-time world champion and Lando, who's actually hunting for his first win. You can't blame him for the instinct. Just that he went away with his own decision. Fine, happens. But... Every good story needs a certain amount of tragedy. Look at how George Russell bounced back from Sakhir. 
This is literally the same parallel situation. Can you really blame them for that loss? Can you blame George for Sakir? Can you blame Lando for this one? To a degree, but not that much. And look at how resilient George has become after that race. Look at how much different he is. In fact, we will speak about him a little bit towards the end of this episode because he's, of course, gotten more points for Williams. But the point is, this will just be a growing experience. And what is a good story without a little bit of tragedy in the middle, right? That's that's just how it is for Lando Norris. But if you have to remember one thing about Lando from this race, don't remember the, the, the ill-fated decision. The fact that he was able to keep Lewis Hampton behind for so long in the lead-up to those last four laps, Kunal, we genuinely couldn't tell if Lewis was actually going to get ahead. And that from a, such a young driver is just tremendous. And that coming from a McLaren, you know, Mercedes yeah. customer team. I, I think it was, either way, the win was on for, for Lando Norris. And yes, tragedy, you put it really well. It was tragic to see Lando Norris spin and then lose those seconds. And, you know, what an epic... 100th race win for Lewis. But before before we sort of still move on, you know, just, just some more thoughts on Lando. I mean, everyone's being harsh. Everyone's trying to say he was entitled. He said no to the team, etc. There are so many times that drivers just disagree and do what they want, you know. And, and yes, the team needed to sort of give him more information, be more assertive, etc. But even the team knows that the driver knows the conditions the best. You know, somebody like Daniel Ricciardo said on his radio, and I was on the radio channel, guys. Okay, so I literally watched the race with every driver's radio, right? Daniel Ricciardo said, it's actually better where I am. And this is when he was driving around the last five laps than where you are, you know, when where you are, which was the indication to the team that, you know, it's probably drier where it was in, in, in the pit lane. So all in all, great learnings for Lando, fantastic entertainment for all of us and just goes to show that this is exactly what we love about Formula One. And yes, I'm sure Lando's yeah. going to bounce back. You know, he's he's been the, the the story of the season and he con- he will continue to be one. Hands down, my driver of the day, even though he got the decision wrong, Somal. Yeah, seriously, as I said at the start, give him a hug. Maybe give him some milk as well. I think he likes that quite a fair <laughs> bit. But tell you what, give a bow to Lewis Hamilton. 100 wins, Kunal. 100. Let's put that into context for a second. Michael Schumacher, the greatest ever, according to many, uh, including you. I I can't tell because I haven't watched him. So, Lewis for me is the greatest. But 10%, nearly 10% more wins than Michael. And that's only going to grow. That's uh, nearly four times the win as Jackie Stewart, as Jim Clark, as Nicky Lauda. That is nearly double the wins of Ayrton Senna and Alan Prost. This man, I know you will tell me that the races now are much more in the calendar and there is more opportunities to win and that X team is more dominant than any team ever was. But still, 100 Grand Prix wins, Kunal. Many said that Sachin's record of 100 centuries wouldn't ever be broken in the world of cricket. Now, this seems to be the new benchmark in the world of Formula 1 and... It is slightly frightening to know that this record is only going to get better because he's not even close to dipping down anywhere close to that. What a driver, seriously. I I think, firstly, what you said, Samuel, is very true. We need to applaud the fact that we saw history in the making today. 40, 50 years down the line, when you're still listening into us, there'll be new (laughs) listeners and say, hey, we were there. 
we had an episode where we commented on Lewis Hamilton getting his 100th win. And it's taken some time to come. It's taken him four races to get to his 100th and so on. And I, I think phenomenal win. Uh, it was. We all said it's going to be Mercedes track, but Mercedes are far from dominant, I would say. And uh, and also remember, Lewis did not have the cleanest of weekends. He hit his front jack man on Friday. He hit the wall in qualifying on Saturday. I was just wondering what's what else is he going to do on Sunday? But he drove a flawless race. He he had hammer time working for him. He he ignored the team a couple of times as well, like he said. But then he he made the call when he had to. So I think it's fascinating to see history being made. You may or may not like the driver, and that's fine. We all have our choices, but applaud the fact that there is somebody going out there and maximizing all his chances, because that's what I really love about Lewis Hamilton. He Mm. is maximizing the fact that he has the most dominant team and car ever in the history of the sport. And guys, again, it's something we would all love to do, you know, just keep dominating in our in our fields of life and be the best all the time. So that's what I really look up to Lewis for. So hats off to, to Lewis Hamilton. Again, uh, the better part was, uh, you know, Mercedes did all they could with Bottas's tactical, you know, power unit change, <laughs> getting him down close to Max Verstappen. But you know, like I said at the start of the episode, Max got lucky and he finished P2 as well. So I love the fact that we still have a close championship fight despite such a crazy race, despite Max Verstappen taking a power unit penalty. And Mercedes must just be wondering, you know, Max took a power unit penalty, but he still lost the minimum points uh, in Sochi. They put Botas out there, but he was barely showing any, he could barely offer any resistance. And he said he just could not follow cars to make an impact. And then third of all, it rained, you know, and and typically when such crazy races happen, actually the rain worked in Max's favor. So all in all, Max is, you know, back to riding uh, his lady luck. (laughs) I see what you did that with there. Uh, There's there's an interesting question that's come up. Uh, I think this is one from... Uh, my, my apologies. This is one from Lenya, who's also sent in one, saying, do you think Hamilton will take a new engine in Turkey? Of course, very topical, considering Verstappen taking an engine penalty this time out, and Bottas has, of course, failed attempt uh, to sort of hold back Max Verstappen, which was mocked by Valtteri on social media, by the way. He posted a meme saying Valtteri with all his other spare engines. It, it was clear, right? It was clear that Mercedes knew the threat of Max, but they still couldn't do much about it eventually. Hindsight, of course, more powerful at the end, but there's a genuine chance that Lewis will be strategizing a lot with the team about where to take that power unit. And Kunal, honestly, where can you take that power unit? You genuinely can't tell what would be the right place to do that. Because right now, even a circuit like Sochi, it would seem to be the most docile of them all, has produced such a masterclass of a race. You really can't predict in that case. It's just a gamble. If it works for you, it works. I wouldn't want to be in the Mercedes strategy room you know, making the decision about when should Lewis take his fourth power unit, right? So I'm sure, you know, Toto's been giving all those hints, maybe we need one, maybe we don't, etc, etc. And I think Red Bull did fairly well in taking it here. They had a three-place grid penalty, which of course got overwritten with with the power unit penalty and so on. So if it's coming, I'd love to see what and how Lewis, uh, you know, sort of uh, makes of it when uh, when his... uh, power unit penalty comes, if at all. 
But still, Kunal, before we move on to max 100, I, I don't know. That is such a powerful number. 100 GP wins. I know I'm stressing on it too much, but you saw what one win meant to Landon Norris so much today. That man has 100 of them. Seriously, just, just something else. But let's talk about a man who's going to make it very hard for Lewis to get any more than 100 wins. It is Max Verstappen. Kunal, you spoke about Max for a little bit, about Lady Luck going in his direction and the rain really helping him out. That was sneaky from Max. And, and all things considered, in this championship, even though Lewis has had a very spectacular win, of course, partially by luck in a way, because of Lando's uh, uh, indecision. Again, can you call it luck? Can you call it just good decision from Mercedes? Whatever. We've discussed that in the first few minutes. But the fact that Max was still there, even in the most tricky of races to come up into P number two, this is... Of course, on paper, it doesn't seem like a big win for Max. But seriously, if there's one race that has kept him heavy in the championship, this is it. It's absolutely correct. And Samuel, I'm now actually going to... I'm reading my entire data, right? Uh -huh. the, I have two interesting points to, to actually share. First is the trio that was one to three yesterday in qualifying, which suddenly surprised all of us, had used up all their intermediate tires. They had no new sets. So... Carlos Steins, Daniel Ricciardo as well, of course, you know, and Lando Norris and George Russell all had used intermediates. And even though George Russell made the switch at the right time, he just had no grip because he had used up all his intermediates, right? We, of course, don't know about uh, Sainz and Ricciardo because they weren't engaged in battle after switching onto those intermediates. So interesting, again, you know, that teams like uh, Mercedes, teams like Red Bull had kept a fresh set of intermediates for themselves because Max, Lewis, Checo, uh, and even Valtteri had fresh new intermediates, including Fernando Alonso as well. So that's point one that I wanted to make. The second point is the the fact when drivers actually made the switch. Remember at the start of the episode, I said it was literally that one lap, the lap after Lewis Hamilton, while Lando Norris couldn't come in, for example, right? So Max Verstappen pitted five laps to the end and he sort of shot himself up. Checo Perez pitted three laps to the end. Okay, so the difference literally was those two laps about how heavy it went, what uh, Fernando Alonso was talking about as well. Fernando Alonso, again, pitted three laps to the end, right? And why am I, why am I stating this? I'm just saying how, uh, how narrow the, the, the window was to make the switch. Now, guess Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton made the switch four laps to the end, right? So just... Such finer margins. And of course, it's easy for us to look at this data and, and say it now. But imagine they made these decisions in real time. You know, Lewis knew Max had shifted before he actually decided to shift onto, you know, his, his intermediates as well. So very, very fascinating to dissect this race. And uh, Somila and I do this literally even more so than what you actually hear us. So if you want to get in deeper, please just reach out to us on Twitter or on Facebook and we'll be happy to take you guys through with this. Yeah, it's uh, more of Nityanand than me. I, I, I just need to study more of data. Right? It, it's, it's something that'll help me in life. Shouldn't be uh, the most topical thing right here. What should be topical is the fact that the window was so close that drivers like Kimi Raikkonen made their way in, George Russell also in the points, Alonso, as you mentioned, Kunal and P number six. We'll talk about them in depth later on. But it's such an interesting point you mentioned about the midfield. There was just battling everywhere. Russell, of course, started uh, 
in P number three, worked out well for the early going and then dropped off. But of Sergio Perez is one point I actually have to bring up because there's this one interesting question that I think uh, we have got right here from Manav. He's asking, did Perez pass his peak for the season? He's missing on so many podium opportunities. Fact is, he was on for a podium. Uh, even though he had a slow pit stop, which cost him around, I think, six seconds in the race eventually, had it not been for the rain, Sergio was, if I'm not mistaken, in P number three when that happened. P number three or P number four. He was just getting there. And as you rightly mentioned, Kunal, that window was so narrow, I don't think you can really put the blame on him from finishing where he finished, which was eventually P number nine. So all things considered, a very good race for Sergio. But do you think he's reached his peak for the season? Uh, I don't think he's reached his peak for sure. You know, he's driving in a state where all he has to do is help Max. And, and that's a different mindset because otherwise when you're driving or when he was driving at Force India, all he had to do was maximize his race potential, not maximize his teammates' race potential. And that's maybe the difference. And I think he drove a fairly good race and maybe Red Bull uh, decided to pit Max before to give him track position. Could be several other reasons why Checo decided to pit later. So it was just uh, one of that. I, th I, I think, uh, you know, Checo Perez uh, drove a good lap, uh, good race, uh, keeping the first part of the race before all the rain came, keeping Lewis in check, keeping with Lewis and, and so on. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's just a different environment that he's still probably sort of getting used to, Sonal. Yeah, uh, yeah. The the environment bit. I don't think so. It's been long enough for the entire for an entire Formula E season, basically, and Formula E drivers get kicked out of the seats within a year or two or something like that. So I don't think environment would be the thing. I, I'm very critical of Sergio Perez right here. I'm not very honestly impressed with the way things are going. I, I want more, but today you can't really put the blame on him, right? When when things were normal, he was performing really well. But it's still alarming to see Max come from so far back and finish in P number two. That was stunning from him. Tell you what, though, speaking of stunning things, let's move on to some statistics. Here is the stats review by F1 Stats Guru coming up right now. All right. Never imagined that I'll actually say this one day, but we had a crazy Russian Grand Prix with or even without the rain. This is definitely going to be a race that we talk about for a very, very long time. And I personally love such sort of races because it, it, it's very challenging to find stats at times, but these sort of races usually give, come up with a very interesting bunch of stats. So let's do the stats review of that crazy Russian Grand Prix. Let's get the main ones out of the way. Lewis Hamilton becomes the first driver to take 100 race wins in Formula One, the only one to reach the triple figure uh, mark now, these, you seldom see a car, a driver, or a team dominating a sport for so long. And we don't really know if this record is going to be ever broken. But eventually, if it does, that's going to be a sight to see uh, if it ever happens. Mercedes have taken their eighth consecutive victory at Sochi, which, is, which was already a record last year. But that streak continues to go on and next year it's going to be the last race at Sochi before they move to the next venue at St. Petersburg. So yes, Mercedes continue to have that record for the longest winning streak at a particular circuit. I mentioned about milestone races in the stats preview. I mentioned that all the milestone races in the hybrid era, the, 900, the 900th race, the 950th race and the 1000th Formula 1 race have all been won by Mercedes. Well, the, thousand and, the 1050th race 
also goes to Mercedes. And they are a team that particularly like Sochi. They like milestones. So let's see how many more they can actually take uh, before uh, someone else goes ahead and becomes a dominant force in the sport. All right. Lewis Hamilton becomes also becomes the first driver to enter the 4,000 uh, points mark in Formula One. Uh, now you will argue that the point system has changed over the years, and this is isn't this isn't really a fair statistic or an accurate one. Uh, accurate one. But what we did is we corrected all the points that is uh, that any driver has ever taken in Formula One, and we corrected it to the 2021 2021 point system. And still, Lewis Hamilton leads by a very big margin. So he uh, he would have been on 4,413.5 points if we corrected it uh, to the 2021 point system and coming close in second would be Michael Schumacher with 3,961 points. Uh, over the years, obviously, the cars have become a lot more reliable. Cars back then had a lot more retirements, which is true, which also affects the number of points that drivers would uh, collect over the, the career. So Lewis Hamilton has had just 27 retirements in his career, while Michael Schumacher, who is in second, uh, has had 68. That also is something a factor when, when calculating all these points. Lewis Hamilton has five wins in 2021, but the interesting thing that uh, is the number of laps that he's led in those five races. So let's do it. Uh, in Bahrain, he led 27 of 56 laps. In Portugal, he led 34 of 66 laps. In Spain, 12 of 66 laps. In Great Britain, 3 of 52 laps. And today in Russia, 3 of 53 laps. So except for Spain, none of the other wins this year have come from pole. So it goes to show that he's really, really having to work hard uh, whenever he has to take a race victory. And in, in all these races, he's barely led 50% of the laps. And for example, in Russia and Britain, he's just led three laps, uh, the last three laps of the race, which goes to say so much about the driver uh, that Lewis Hamilton actually is. Uh, like I mentioned earlier in the stats preview, Pole is in the best place to start at the Russian Grand Prix. Lando Norris almost clinched it. I have to say he almost clinched it if it wasn't for the rain, that because that really ruined his chances uh, of becoming the first pole sitter since Nico Rosberg in 2016 to win the Russian Grand Prix. So that unfortunate streak still continues. And Lewis Hamilton won the race today, starting fourth, and he becomes the only driver uh, to win the Russian Grand Prix after starting lower than third on the grid. And the last one is George Russell scores points once again. He scored points for the fourth time in the last five races. But something that I've been keeping uh, the something that I've been keeping for the end is that George Russell has scored 16 points in the last five races, the exact same number of points that Sergio Perez has as well in the last five races, driving a Red Bull, a championship contender car. And it's very astonishing the slump he's had ever since that Azerbaijan Grand Prix, ever since his French Grand Prix where he was on the podium. Ever since since then, he's had a slump in form in terms of race finishes and, and, and in terms of points. So he really has to get it... Uh, you know, get up and start scoring more points if Red Bull really want to win the Constructors' title. So, yes, that was the stats review of the Russian Grand Prix. I'll catch you guys in the next one. Baffled to me, this guy seriously does. Again, it's just F1 stats guru. It's in the name. You know why he's called himself just that. And there's a reason why everyone is also calling him just that. 
But there's something about Lewis Hamilton that's baffled you a little bit today, Kunal, has there? Yes, there is. And, you know, 100th win, and I don't know if I've said enough about him, but one thing that's always baffled me about Lewis is that he's one of those drivers. And, of course, there are several of them, but he stood out today as well, where he is able to drive to a strategy and make it work even if it evolves along the race, even if it evolves along what Mercedes planned for him. And pretty much there is option in strategy, which is why teams say it's target plus eight or plan A, plan C, etc., and all these things they need to memorize before the race, right? So that's the one thing that really stands out for me and his, you know, his, his of course, his driving talent, but his also his ability to make a strategy work in his favor, Sonal. That's why he's one of the best, ladies and gentlemen. That's why he gets paid so much. And I, I was just thinking about it after qualifying yesterday. That's one of those sessions where you justify your salary. And it's crazy to see like someone like Lando Norris was one of the star performers of that, along with Carlos Sainz. So let's actually speak of Carlos Sainz a little bit more. It it might feel a bit harsh on our part to include him in a category, that category that's called the other strong finishers from the Russian GP and have a picture of Carlos Sainz and Fernando Alonso right there. But because most of the narrative has been focused around Lando Norris and Lewis Hamilton, we have to do that. But all things considered, Kunal, we were doubting, of course, at the end of the first in, whether it was a good decision from Ferrari to actually make sure that Sainz pits early on, doesn't go for the longest in, goes for the two-stop. But in the end... It worked. He was at the right place at the right time, made the right decision. And there we are. That's Sainz's third podium with Ferrari this year. He is beating Leclerc very well. Who would have thought, right? Yeah. Literally, who would have thought? I, I love the way, you know, uh, Carlos Sainz took the lead of the race and was just getting up there before Lando sort of came back to him. And there's this, this new air of confidence around him, especially. And guys, remember, he was was literally shown the door by Renault at, at that point. And McLaren were down in the dumps and they had no option but to take him as well. And then this whole thing about there was no Spanish driver in the Spanish you know, market, which is big. That's what kept him. Red Bull let him go. And I think Carlos Sainz is driving extremely well. Uh, I love listening to his radio. Very, very measured, very calculative. I'm sure it's with the genes that he's born with, Samuel. And... <laughs> You know, at the end of the day, he he made the right call when it came to the tires. He he pitted five laps to the end. That magic number, which literally worked out for everyone else, Samuel. Yeah, and, and he was making it work, even though his stop in the first turn was far from ideal. He just got passed by Perez before he got the rain, but he was still in P number four. All things considered, dragging that out of that Ferrari. My word, signs was excellent. And as I said a minute ago, it's in those wet sessions where you justify your salary. And Carlos Sainz did that just right there. There's one from uh, Manav who's asking that, does Carlos get enough credit slash acknowledgement for his performances from the fans? It's a bit of a weird one. I don't think I've ever met a Carlos Sainz fan. Now, everyone likes him, but he's nobody's first driver. If he keeps on driving like this, my word, everyone's going to buy Carlos Sainz t-shirts by the end of the year. He has just been stunning. And I think it should. I think we should put more respect on his name because he's one of the very few drivers to come into a new team this year and actually beat their teammates clean and convincingly. So that's one of the very more beautiful things. But Kunal, big performers otherwise as well. Fernando Alonso, P number 6. George Russell, P number 10. And Kimi Raikkonen, P number 8. 
Who would have thought? As I mentioned at the start, would have, Nolan needs he, some competition yeah. now. <laughs> you know, some very exciting uh, results all through the top 10. I think uh, George Russell just ran out of grip, like I said. Otherwise, he would have been on the charge as well. Kimi Raikkonen, you know, I think it could have been another Alfa Romeo as well. And interestingly, you know, Antonio Giovinazzi pointed out that through the entire race, he had no radio. And can you imagine a race like this where you do not have radio when you need support from your team, right? And also in Giovinazzi's case, it's a little unfortunate because it's a very crucial time of his career. There's a question mark on his seat, Hmm. which is why it's not been announced yet. And to have a race like this, where he would have probably been in the points, etc. And mind you, he crashed earlier on the weekend as well. So Giovinazzi was good. You know, the one standout, which baffles me again, and I'm hoping I got the data wrong at some point, Yuki Sonoda, before taking on the Inters, he actually had the soft tire compound for two laps. I don't know. I don't know if that's just wrongly tagged, okay, by the FIA, but he had he, five laps to the end, he was on soft. So when the others were on Inters, he actually ran soft. I, I will clarify that when I get more data. But yeah, just that. And Fernando Alonso, something about him really, really uh, stood out again because he was up there. He made the reverse strategy work. He was on the hard. He was pushing. He was genuinely looking for a top five finish. And then, like I said, in the end, he pitted one lap too late, which is why he finished yeah. sixth. And otherwise, he would have probably been higher up there. And phenomenal performances, especially when you... Consider that Ocon is 14th, Samuel. Exactly. And the second stint, Alonso, after he pitted, was flying in the slicks, I mean to say. He's he's such a good driver, such an exciting driver, such a fun driver to watch. But before we move on to discussing more of our audience questions, and there are so many good ones, and thank you so much for sending them in on social media, folks. Really makes our heart feel warm. We have to discuss one of the misses of this race as well. Aston Martin, Kunal, do you reckon had it not been for that skirmish a few laps from the end that they would have finished much higher than where they did actually? Where were they? Vettel 12th, Stroll 13th. Had it not been for that light crash that they had there, this could have been so much better, especially for Lance Stroll. It could have. And, you know, uh, yes, that skirmish happened and Sebastian Vettel was one of the types who said it was a misunderstanding and thankfully there was no damage. And Lance Stroll actually had a very good uh, you know, very good first end, first half of the race because he was, uh, you know, he he was uh, up there in the top six, top seven as as he went along. And I remember what Fettel said after the race. He said we gambled on the wrong option to stay out. So again, it was one of those things where you made a decision a bit too late, and you know, the the rain just kept coming harder. And I remember Aston Martin had a very prophetic radio message saying you know Seb the rain is coming it's going to get it's going to get worse before it gets better but of course they sort of you know uh, just couldn't get the get the timing of that decision right I would say it's going to get worse before it gets better what else do you expect would happen man uh, honestly but still yeah uh, of course it gets worse before it gets better of course that is what it is but hey more on some fun questions that you've sent in on social media let's actually discuss uh, this one from Vismay. Thoughts on all Mercedes' engine, t- engine teams. 
Well, articulation is important, man. Thoughts on all Mercedes engine teams' improved performances after the summer break? It's been a bit of a good turn of events for them, and, and I wouldn't pick them out generally because of Mercedes' engine being better. It's just that each of them have had good performances on the whole. Would you point that out on the engine, Kunal? Uh, it's never just something that typically works. It's always a package. And interestingly, Samuel, given so many narratives, one key thing we've forgotten to speak about, slow yeah. pit stops. Oh, we so had just so, so, so many of them that, and they're all saying it's this new directive that's come in and the human element is more and so on. And it's a bit puzzling that teams A haven't figured it out. And I hope this is not what the new directive was going to do that you know, make a two-second stop, go four times slower into an eight-second stop or thereabouts because different teams had the same issues seemingly so. Yeah, and, and that's what our expert data analyst Nityan was confused about as well. Why is this happening? What's going on? Bit of a weird one, that one. Finally, we have got a few interesting ones again. This is one from Sai the Thief, who's also a very active listener and viewer of us. So thank you so much for sending that inside. Will McLaren be competitive this time in Saudi Arabia without engine penalties to all the others? Saudi is a bit of a long shot, isn't it? It's a bit hard to tell right now. I wish we could say, because historically you can look at a team's record at a certain circuit and maybe just get a good inkling, but really can't tell with Saudi. That's a long way off. But with without engine penalties, McLaren were good in Imola. Uh, uh, Monza, I'm sorry. My apologies for that one. You see which my favourite circuit is. But still... All things considered, Kunal, this does seem to be a genuine challenge from them. And Saudi might be a bit far off, but we can consider McLaren for some good results by the end of the year. You know, I'm going to quote a very famous motorsport commentator. I'm going to say the name of the commentator after I quote him. Uh -huh. He asked a couple of days ago, and he actually asked me, and I had the privilege of, you know, having this chat with him. He said, should we just consider McLaren to be strong everywhere? No. Right. And I was like, yeah, that's a very, very nice way of putting it. And the commentator's name was, of course, Samuel Arora. It was what? on our preview show. Yes, you actually asked yeah, him. You put yeah, it so nicely right. saying, is it time to just think McLaren's going to be quick everywhere? And I think so. Absolutely. McLaren, they won the last race. They took pole this race. And Lando Norris, of course, was joking, saying, guess what? We're up and dominating. Yeah, don't, don't call me a great commentator, but it's really exciting to see McLaren doing what they are doing right now. Uh, wrapping it off with a few more questions. One from Vismay again. Shouldn't the FIA be more strict on Pirelli considering their data isn't the most reliable? Kunal, you have a very good reason for that. And, and what is that all about? Why does that happen? So Pirelli's data is based on simulations because, of course, they don't have a running racing car, right? Yeah. So they have simulations which say that the soft tire will go 20 laps and will degrade at this rate. And this, uh, this is how it's going to perform. When the teams actually get that tire, they use it in the real world. And let's remember, the teams are always wanting to stop as few number of times as possible. So that's where we hear about tire management, right? So if Pirelli says, if you do one minute, five seconds lap for 20 laps, you're going to, you know, that, that's the life of the soft tire, for example. But guess what's, what the teams do? They'll do a one minute, eight second lap. And then suddenly the whole tire utilization goes out of the window or the tire simulation goes out of the window. So it's not really Pirelli that uh, that has to be blamed. They are just showing you simulation data. In fact, 
this is something Pirelli has brought forward for the 2022 tire as well. That's why they're getting teams to run their mule cars so that they can get, they as in Pirelli can get more real world data than just rely on simulated data. Had it been the year 2001 instead of 2021, they would have just gone for endless testing, endless data, endless miles, and there would have been two tire manufacturers, extra wastage. Let's actually come to the final and the most infuriating question and the point of the day. One from Manav, and he's so right with it. Should we rate Disney Plus Hotstars HQ, by the way, the Indian broadcaster for Formula 1, for Lance strolling the last three laps of the race? We should send an air raid, send, oh, send thousands of troops right there, just destroy the whole building, I swear. What happened in the last three minutes, three laps, uh, if, in case you're not aware? The screen went blank. There was just that multicolored old thing that you saw when you just maybe don't put the cable in the right way. That is what we saw for the last four laps. That is when the rain came in. That is when Lando went wide. We saw that. We come back on it and Lewis Hamilton wins his 100th Grand Prix win. This is just, again, stuff just happens. Maybe just add it to the moment. Maybe we, we, we all got a minor heart attack here in India, all of us watching. But yes, if that's on the plan, do it in the dreams, not in real life. We don't want any losses or anything quite like that. But folks, such a fun episode. All thanks to your question. Such a fun episode. All thanks to the great racing. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for watching. And Kunal, we get to do this all over again in the midweek. Absolutely, Samuel. Look forward to talking to you and presenting yet another blockbuster episode in a few days' time. Thank you so much. See you, folks, for the Turkish GP at Istanbul. Watch our preview right here on the Inside Line F1 podcast and pitch the podium. Until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye.